So does anybody remember Barney Fife? Man, I love... Anybody remember the... the what's that one in Mr... The Ghost in Mr. Chicken? You may, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I regress on that one. Barney Fife, what he's known for, among a lot of things, is having one bullet for his gun. Where'd he keep it? Just in case he kept it in his pocket. Thank goodness, right? Now, we laugh at Barney Fife, and it's kind of a funny thing. And, and man, who didn't love that show growing up? Well, the ones that were born much later than me. But anyway, my generation, we grew up on that stuff, and we loved it. But I have to tell you something. There's a principle in that that, of course, that's a preacher thing, finding a principle in everything, even in Barney Fife. He had one bullet in his gun. I have to tell you something. This is a secret. It's a trade secret that pastors have. Most pastors have one bullet in their gun. Uh, I heard Bill Johnson say he has one sermon. He preaches it 700 different ways. And I'm much the same. Because I have to tell you something. Even though we're in week six on identity, we're calling it identified. It's identity in Christ, who we are and whose we are. And even though we're in week six, um, just so you know, this will probably keep going for the rest of my life, actually. So just so you know, we're in sort of a lifetime series, right, here with this. But the idea is this is that so much hinges on who you are and whose you are in Christ. If you don't know who and whose you are, your Christian life is going to be laborious and difficult. And you're going to have a hard time with the second fruit of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what that is? Think. Think. Say it. Joy. Joy. You're going to have a hard time smiling. You're going to have a hard time laughing. You're going to have a hard time. Because when life gets tough, the last thing you want to do is laugh and smile. But when you're full of Jesus and you understand who you are in Christ, you find it a lot easier to laugh in the face of difficulties. Because you know there's a promise. And something is going to override. And you're going to eventually rise above the noise. Why? Because Christ in you and through you is the hope of glory. Amen? So when I came to understand this many, many years ago, um, somebody floated a book my way. As we were in Southern California, Neil Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. I thought I was going to be reading about one topic, spiritual warfare, and it turned out I ended up learning about my identity in Christ. And once I learned about my identity in Christ, the spiritual warfare pretty much evaporated. Now, isn't that interesting? What does truth do? Truth sets us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When you get the truth and you internalize the truth, it sets you free from other things. When you get things in right order, other things find order behind that. And that's exactly what happened for me. And as I've grown in that and learned in that and continue to because this is an ongoing journey and it literally is line upon line, precept upon precept, it is one layer at a time. Have you ever gotten to a place in your walk with Jesus and you thought, hey, I think I'm kind of there? Nobody's going to admit that. But there are moments where you think, man, things are going pretty good. I I mean, man, the Word's alive, my prayer life's alive, and people around me, nobody's blowing up in the moment, you know? It's just like drama-free for a season. Y'all know that'll be short-lived, right? And and yet, in those seasons, we almost get lulled into this idea that, man, I think think we may have a handle on this thing. (laughs) And then tomorrow works. Yeah, then tomorrow, then the sun comes up the next day, right? 
And here you are, faced with difficulties, faced with trials again. Why? Because God's not done with us. That's right. Amen. You do know for a follower of Jesus, difficulties are for shaping, yes. That's right. not crushing. And as these things come our way, when we rightly relate to them, you have, a, you have a theology for suffering? You better. You have a theology for pain? You better. Because when life happens, you better have a reason, and you better have an answer to come back to it and say, wait a minute, this is that. I know what's happening to me right now, but here's what God's Word says about me. And what this series on called Identified that we've been doing now in our sixth week is designed to do is to train you to go back to the Word. We focused on several specific verses, even though we've gone through, we'll finish the book of Colossians today. But there are key verses that I hope you marked. I hope you put a yellow highlighter, a green, go purple if you want. I don't care, but mark it somehow, some way, so that when the day of calamity comes, or you're just having one of those days, you know where to go with it. And you can say, this is my circumstance, but here is the truth. And who are you saying that to, by the way? Anybody that'll listen. Yourself first, the mirror, the devil, God, everybody, you're saying, this is what I know to be true because this is God's Word. So let's look at God's Word just a little bit. It's called Identified. We're going to talk about today speaking life, praying life because we've got to be people who are life leakers. So let's go and let's do a quick review because this is important. And it, whether you've been here with us or not, I never learned something the first, second, third, or tenth time. I need a lot of repetition. So we're going to stay on this just for a minute. Week one, we talked about this. You are free from accusation. I got one, there you go, and okay. So here's the deal. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, he is definitely talking about you. Gosh, I don't think everybody participated just then. Huh? We're a little weak on participation today. That means somebody didn't hear what they needed to hear just now. So I'm going to say it to everybody. I am definitely talking about you. You are unaccusable according to the Scripture. Now, I don't know about your own world, but I, I, are you going to land on the Scripture or are you going to land on circumstances? So listen to this. Free from accusation, Colossians 1.22, Jesus died to do this, to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. That above reproach, that's unaccusable. That is you in Jesus Christ. That means when you're presented before the throne of grace, which by the way, the Bible says we can come boldly and confidently before, what does that mean? That means you can come before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, standing upright, not cowering down. Why? Because he adores you. There you go. Because you're his favorite. That's right. By the way, there were the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, but there's also the favorites. <laughs> Someone say, that's mine, I'll take that. I'm a favorite. You are, in the name of Jesus, because of Jesus. You have been favored by God. He loves you and adores you. And for those of you who are sitting here thinking God's mad at you, I hate to inform you and burst your pity bubble, but he is not mad at you. He loves you. Crazy for you. And he wants you to come out of that mire and realize he's the one who will set your feet upon the rock. He's the lifter of your head. He's the one that will put you on solid ground and get you up out of that miry clay so that you can live above your circumstances, not under them. Amen? 
So that's free from accusation. Week two, you're leaking again. Listen, why do we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? It's because we're constantly leaking the Holy Spirit, and that's not a bad thing. When you show up to Walmart, how many of you know you need Jesus when you go to Walmart? I'm just saying. When you show up to Walmart, when you show up to anywhere, H-E-B, Lord, now I need a navigation system at H-E-B right now. I'm just saying. Me and all the other men are walking around dazed and confused since they moved everything. I'm just saying. We're trying to help each other, but it's not working. I mean, I'm serious. I was in there the other day, and this poor guy was lost. And I, I, I went over to him. But I was lost too, and I said, hey, man, this is kind of crazy. And he goes, man, I have no idea. They've, he goes, I finally figured this out after 10 years where things are, and they moved everything. I said, I know we can't even call our wives now. We were having a good laugh, and oh, whatever it was, it's changed. I don't even know what four is anymore. I know. Tell me about it. About the time I figured it out, when we go into these places, we ought to be so full of Jesus that we're just leaking everywhere we go. Hey, well, but if I'm leaking, that means I have holes. Well, you're holy, right? I know, that was bad. That was terrible. Here, cut that out. Edit that out. But it's true. We've been made holy, blameless above reproach, and we are full of him, and when we are, here's the mystery that's been revealed, and this is amazing. This mystery among the Gentiles. Uh-oh. So something's been hidden and now it's being revealed. And when a Bible character is saying, this has been his, hidden from the, for the ages, and now it's being revealed, that gets my attention. Amen. You know what the mystery is? Look at this. Christ in you. He can't just keep moving because the word in is a present participle, which also means through. Right. So it's not only Christ in you, it's Christ through you. It's the same thing. So we get stuck on in. Yeah, I'm just a container for Jesus. I'm a vessel. I'm carrying him around. But you know what? If you're not letting him out, you're just carrying Jesus around. What's the point there? You're dragging him into all your stuff, but you're not releasing him to take care of your stuff. He wants to live his life not only in you, but through you. So that where you show up, he leaks out. Well, if he leaks out, I'm going to have to get more. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it says. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That means we get to. That means there's more where that came from. So when you're feeling low and depleted, you know it's like my iPhone. It gets down to ten percent. It goes red and it starts wants to go into some kind of savings thing. I'm just like, go plug the thing in. What do you do? You find the source. You realign. You plug back into the source, and you receive. And then what do you do? You go back out and you do it again. Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, talked about the flywheel effect. Flywheel effect is momentum that's gained over a period of time. And he says what it means is that you do the right thing and the same thing every day for a long period of time. And over time, you begin to generate this flywheel effect. He was talking in terms of business. I'm talking in terms of spiritual life. As we do the right thing every day for a long period of time, in the face of criticism, in the face of misunderstanding, in the face of doubt, fear, and unbelief, you still do the right thing every day for a long period of time. And you will generate an unstoppable flywheel effect. So when the enemy raises up a standard against you, it's like, uh, sorry, that's not going to work. Because I've read the book. Oh, by the way, I read the end of the book. We win. <laughs> Just spoil alert. Sorry. We win. In game, here's the spoiler alert. We win. 
So the enemy can throw his best, but we win. Week three, dead or alive. That's not just the, sound, the song that Bon Jovi wrote. <laughs> Colossians 2.10. And you are, look at this, complete. The word complete means total wholeness. It means you're integrated. The word disintegrate, like that just disintegrated before my eyes. A lot of people are living disintegrated lives. This means to integrate. It means to be fully, complete, and whole. And in Christ, that is you. So you can show up and say, man, I'm just one hot mess today. And somebody else may say, no, wait a minute. You're complete in him. Oh, thanks for reminding me. You're right. I am. Am I going to accept the circumstance or are I going to stand on the truth of God's word? I hope you're getting this because what I'm giving you are tools to deal with the junk that's coming your way every day. The dissatisfied customer. The lawnmower that you ordered 13 days ago that hasn't come in. Oh, wait, that's my issue. <laughs> I'm being patient. I'm exercising the fruit of the Spirit. But it's getting thin. I'm just saying. You're complete in Him who's the head of all principality and power. By the way, we read this, but it's not in this note. The Bible says that Jesus disarmed all of the principalities and powers. Wait a minute. You mean they have no power over us? Yeah. Newsflash. Newsflash. You don't just win in the end. You win now. Amen. Problem is most believers don't know they win now. So if the enemy, that's the only thing he has now is deception and lies, which is really all he had from the beginning. So if the enemy can convince you that you're losing and you enter into agreement with that, you actually make a covenant with the devil. I don't know about you. I don't want to be in covenant with him. I don't want to be in cahoots with him in any way whatsoever. And it's as though you're shaking hands with him. Because that's what we do in West Texas. We shake on it. And we come into agreement. We come into a covenant with the enemy of our souls. And once you do that, the power of deception is extremely powerful. But that's not who you are. Some of you forgotten, I'm going to beat the drum and remind you. Look what he did. Week four, free from judgment, Colossians 2. He canceled the written code. I got to say something about this word because a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm convicted that I need to do something. Let me say something. The Lord doesn't convict you. The Lord convinces you. Did you know the Greek word for convict is the same word for convince? We need to write that word. The word convict means that you're a criminal and you've been convicted of a crime. Have you ever thought about your language? Our words are power containers and what we say matters. There are times when we bind ourselves and entrap ourselves in our own language or, I don't mean this in a, in a this is not a condescending way, but in our ignorance of language. The enemy is acutely aware of language. And you think splitting hairs isn't a big deal in the kingdom. It's a massive deal. Because the difference between Christ in me and through me is massive. The, the difference between, between in and through, the difference between convict and convince is massive. One is negative in nature and it has to do with a criminal. Are you a criminal? I've been convicted to give more. I've been convicted to minister to this person. I've been convicted to pray. That's like you're being sentenced to it. No, I'm convinced to help this person. I'm convinced to give more. I am convinced to pray. 
We need to change and be aware of our language. Can I get an amen or an oh my? Our language matters. What we say and what we do matters, but what we say does matter. Amen? I hope that makes sense. He's canceled the written code. The written code, by the way, was a conviction that was nailed, it was picked up and nailed to the cross. Just like Jesus. You know what? There was another conviction written over Jesus and nailed to the cross. You know what it said? King of the Jews. That written code has been canceled by Jesus himself. He took it away. Last week we talked about being welcome to the new. This is a new day. We talked about setting your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. And look at the scripture. Colossians 3.14 and over all these virtues, you're supposed to put something on. It's like putting on a jacket. And you're to put on love, which binds all these things together. Love pulls it together. So, let's continue on. I want to share a quote. I love sharing quotes. I love this from Brennan Manning, one of my favorite authors. He says this, God loves you unconditionally. If we could just get that point, we'd just say amen and go eat early. Beat everybody over to Backwoods Barbecue, right? AJ, I did that for you. So God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be. See, a lot of us have the idea that I'm not quite where I'm going to be, therefore I'm being judged because I'm not there yet. But the God who sees the end from the beginning sees you complete because in Christ you already are. Follow the logic train. Don't follow your feelings. They will fool you and mess with you every time. And be careful of following your old theology because it may not be on point. Let's stay with the scripture. It says this, God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be because nobody is as they should be. I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. I know I'm not where I'm going to be, but I am grateful that I'm not where I used to be. I'm on the journey. Are you on the journey with me? One foot in front of the other, right? Moving forward. All right, here's our scripture. Just a few scriptures today. It's short. And we're going to talk about this idea of praying without ceasing. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Listen to what Paul, who initially, he wrote these letters. He sent this to the little church in Colossae, the little church that could, so to speak. And here they were, but they had been attacked with, with just terrible doctrine. And so he answers that and deals with it in the first two, in the beginning of the third chapter. And now he shifts gears and he's being very practical and pragmatic. Remember, the word works, but you have to learn to work the word, right? So here it is, some very practical. Look what he says to do. He says this, devote. That means commit. That means commit yourself. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It's interesting he uses the same word that Jesus did when Jesus said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. He's echoing the same thought, the same sentiment, the same spirit. And that is, we've got to be watchful. We need to stay on the alert. The scripture says this, stay on the alert for your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion. Looking for whom he may what? Devour. It doesn't say who he may harass. It says devour. The enemy wants you destroyed. He's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants you destroyed. He says be watchful. But he also says this. Be thankful. Be a grateful people. Very simple. Very direct. 1 Thessalonians 5 echoes it this way. Paul, again, being practical towards the end of that book and that letter, says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
wait a minute, always without ceasing. You hear the quantity of those words. Rejoice how often? That's Bible language. What he's saying is be joyful always. That takes it out of Bible realm and puts it into us. Be joyful always. You mean I can laugh in the face of difficulty? You might want to. My mom used to say this about my, me and my brother. I have to laugh to keep from crying. I don't know what she meant by that exactly. But she, I think she was trying to maintain joy in the midst of us being knuckleheads. That stuck with me. Little things that stick, right? To be joyful always. I'm telling you, a lot of followers of Jesus would look a lot better with a smile on their face. Hallelujah. And you could help me preaching a lot better if you would smile every once in a while. It would help me a lot, I'm just saying. Either that or we're going to go black out here so I don't see anything. We should smile. We should laugh. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's okay. When I read in the Bible that we have a, a father that dances over us. Whoa, wait, whoa. I thought he was an old man on a throne like an ogre. No, the Bible says he dances over me. I know your mental pictures are going crazy right now. We have a father that loves us so much that while we think he's on a throne with a baton waiting to thump us or hurt us, he's dancing over you. So while you're on your, feast, on your face in terror before this holy and awful God, he's actually dancing over you saying, come on, come on, Join the party. jump up. I know this messes with your thinking because we have these images. And a lot of these images stick with us from our childhood. And we've even had religious trauma and didn't know it in churches where we were scared. And I'll just put it this way. When I was at a Baptist church in the sixth grade, I remember them showing a film that scared the living you-know-what out of me. Because that's how they were leading me to Jesus, by scaring me. And I remember being terrified because I didn't want worms eating my face and my flesh. I'm serious, a film, probably from the 60s. And this film, this guy riding on a motorcycle, and they were, ooh, they were sinful. They were riding a motorcycle and being crazy. And then they, they die and go to hell. And I remember watching that film and going, this doesn't seem like God who loves me. Seems like angry God, mad God, hateful God, vengeful God. I'm like, wow. I had to fight through that to get to Jesus, who was saying, come on. Bid the children come to me. Come on. Amen. Disciples, quit stopping the children from coming to me. Yes, they're going to get my robe dirty, but let them come. Let them come. Yes, they're out of control. Let them come. We have to get a biblical image of God and not just from the Old Testament. It's amazing when you make the skip that 400 years between the intertestamental period and you come into the New Testament, you see a very different picture. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. How did Jesus act? How was Jesus with people? How did he handle people? How did he handle the adulteress? He said this, look, your sins are absolutely forgiven. But he did say this, Go and sin no more. He didn't say just go do what you want. He said, now go sin no more. All right, all right, we've got this. Now go sin no more. 
Jesus handled people. Look at the way Jesus handled people, and that is the way he's handling you. And it should produce some joy in your life. So instead of flaming cinder block bricks landing on my head, I've got the love of God enveloping me. And uh, Colossians says, I can put on love, which binds everything together. Listen to this. Pray without ceasing. I read a little book many years ago by Brother Lawrence called Practicing the Presence of God. That little book was a series of letters that he wrote to several people while he was a Spanish monk in a monastery in Spain in the 1600s. And he was a cook, and he was lame in his legs. And the only thing he could do was cook. And he had such astounding joy and such an astounding relationship with God that people sought him out. Kings, nobles, the religious rulers of his own order sought him out because of the wisdom that flowed out of that man. And the only reason he says that he had wisdom is because he abided. He would abide in God. And he said, I will not even pick up a twig off the ground but for the glory of God. This is a man who never said amen. I don't know if this ever happened to you. When I was a brand new follower of Jesus, 19 years of age, one night I prayed and I fell asleep praying and I woke up feeling guilty because I thought I kept God on hold all night. <laughs> If there had been a red, you know, a, a, a line on it, it would have been blinking because I put him on hold. That's how babyish, that's how immature I was as a young believer in Christ. I didn't say amen. I didn't close the deal. I didn't cut it off. Oh, my gosh, the line's been open all night. If you do that with long distance back then, it'd, you'd be broke. <laughs> I felt guilty. Has anyone else ever done that? But then when I learned, I read this little book by, this little book of letters by Brother Lawrence, I realized... We're, we're, maybe we're not supposed to say amen so much. Maybe this is supposed to be an ongoing conversation. Maybe I turn my inner monologue into a dialogue with God. And I begin to realize, wait, he's sitting with me. He's walking with me. He's standing with me. He's in me. He's through me. He's all around me. Now I can talk to him anytime. And throughout the day, I'll do these little God pauses and go, Father, I give everyone and everything to you. Everyone. It's called benevolent detachment. Everything and everyone to you. And then five minutes later, Father, I give everyone. You know, next email, next everyone, everything. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. That's all that means. That's not deep. But it's not easy either. Because you have to stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused on Him in everything. Notice the words, always, without ceasing, everything. In everything, give thanks. You should be that annoying person who says thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. No, really, thank you. I'm sorry. No, thank you. Thank you. You should be that person that is so grateful for what God has given you. I stepped out on my back patio this morning just for a brief moment. I think I was praying, Lord, I forgive. I release everybody and everything. I don't know what I was doing. I stood out there and I looked up on the, there's a hill behind my house that has a cross on it. I just looked up at it and I was so reminded that he's watching over me. He's over me. He's got this. Better than that, he's got me. So what do I say? The only thing I know is say, thank you. Thank you, thank you. He says this, you want to you be in the center of God's will? 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you think sometimes we're trying too hard to find the will of God when it's right there? Rejoice. Could we just start with that one? Could we just start with that and get a sense of humor again? And just be able to laugh as a follower of Jesus? Oh, thank you, Lord. And then verse 19. This deserves a series. Yep. In fact, Max is going to be doing a series on this this year. On the series on the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Next verse, we'll go quickly. Colossians 4.3. Listen to this. And pray. This is the next one. Next slide. There we go. And pray for us too. Now Paul shifts gears to the mission. He was very practical. And now he's going, but we still have more work to do. And so he does this. He requests prayer for the mission. I want to just, I'll read this verse and I'll show you something. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. We're going, okay, what's the message? What's he going to tell us? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? Christ in and through us, the what? The hope of glory. That's the gospel. He said, we want to proclaim this message of the gospel, Christ in us, through us, the hope of glory. He says, pray that a door, that God will open a door for which I am in chains. He was in prison in a Roman cell, in house arrest, by the way. He wasn't in chains at this point. He was at house arrest, and people were coming and going. Epaphras, Timothy, they were coming and getting the letters and going back and forth and reporting what was going on in the various churches. He says this. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So here's the thing. We started this thing 15 days ago called 42 Days of Prayer. Why 42 and not 40? You always do stuff on 40, right? Well, that would have been starting on a Tuesday, which would have been awkward. So we started on Sunday, which made it 42 days of prayer. And as Don Stefanoff said, that's two bonus days. So that's a good thing. So I want to show the next slide. Every day I'm putting these out. I'm taking prayer scriptures everywhere the Bible says prayer, and I'm making one of these every day, and I put it on social media. Go to Jimmy Pruitt on Facebook. You can go to Oak Hills Church Fredericksburg on Facebook. I post them on there every morning. So when you get up, you've got something to focus on. This is from today. It's day 15 of 42 days of prayer. Look at the scripture here. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and here was the result. They had amazing worship services after that. No, the result is, and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. The message of Christ. What is that mystery? Christ in and through you, the hope of glory. So that's, that's and then on the bottom it says, Oak Hills to Bridge Church, showing our transition. And if you're perceptive, there's a bridge in every picture. <laughs> See if you can find it. So I put it on every one of these. So for 42 days, we're in day 15. Please join us in this. Join us in this. So we are a praying people and praying as a body towards this transition. Uh, you can find it on my Instagram account, our church's Instagram account. You can find it on Twitter, on my, my Twitter account. So whatever your platform is, please join us and get involved. Here we go. Landing the plane. Colossians 4, 5. Be wise. This is grace-laced speech. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Making the most of every opportunity. That means you're living a life intentionally. That means you're aware of your surroundings. We call that situational awareness. That's why most of you men intuitively don't sit in a restaurant with your back facing the door. Have you ever noticed that? Men typically will position themselves so they can see it. A lot of times it's intuitive. You don't even know you're doing it. Sometimes Annette will go take the position. She'll go, oh, wait, you want to sit over here? I go, yeah, I do. So because anything could happen, right? Situational, because we watch the ID channel too. Situational awareness. So we do that intentionally, but could we do that in regards to the people that we are connecting with on every day? The idea of a bridge, we're going to be called Bridge Church in a few weeks. Very short time, it's here. And the idea of building a cable bridge is that they would cast a cable across an expanse whatever they were taking the bridge over, whatever they were building it over. And they would cast cables and cast cables. And over time, the more cables that were cast, the more weight it would bear. And the idea there is that you and I, as we go out in our community and where we live and where we work and where we play, we are casting cables to the people that we connect to. And over time, that will support the weight of a conversation. Over time, it will support the weight of us getting to share the gospel the mystery, Christ in and through you, the hope of glory. Christ wants to live his life through you. So that is building a bridge. That's casting cables. And this is what he's talking about. He says this, be wise in the way you act, making the most of every opportunity, being aware, being aware. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Seasoned with salt? He's alliterating back to what Jesus said. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He says, look, what we do and what we say has the power to preserve life. What does that mean? We need to speak life. When was the last time you drove through your community, whether it's Fredericksburg or Harper or Centerpoint or Kerrville, wherever you may live, and you spoke life over the city? Where you're driving through and you're saying, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these retailers that they will be blessed. I pray for these retailers that they will be blessed. I pray, God, that you'll show up. I pray, God, that you'll, you'll prosper them because our city should prosper under your blessing. Lord, I pray. I pray the crime rate would fall in our town. I pray that there would be no sex trade going on in Fredericksburg, Texas in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, we need to fight hard on this, folks. We need to start speaking over this thing and declaring life over it. So we do that with our words. Our words are full of grace so that you may know how to answer. Look at the word grace as defined. I broke this down to the study many years ago. I broke this down from different commentaries and different books, interlinears, and here's what I came up with. Grace is this. God's power, God's strength, God's ability. I added this one recently. God's authority and God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That takes grace out of the just be nice category. Hello. Into power, because that is what it is. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He didn't need to be nice. He was full of power to do what he was called to do. Amen? So here's what we do. We speak, our conversation be full of power, strength, ability, authority, and favor to do what we cannot in and of ourselves do. Last verse, Colossians 4.12, Paul ends with where he started, and that is with Epaphras. Remember, Epaphras was the young pastor of the church in Colossae. 
Okay, so he was running back and forth, telling Paul, this is what's going on. Paul was writing a letter. He wrote this letter. He took it back. They read it, and then the instruction was to give it to the church at Laodicea as well. So pass this around once you do it. But now Paul started with Epaphras. Now he ends the book with Epaphras. And here it is. He says this, and he's, he's addressing this to the people. They're reading this out loud to the church. Epaphras, who is one of you, remember he's from Colossae, and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. Now look what it says about him. I love the character of this man. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Wow. I like Epaphras already. Who's he wrestling with? The enemy. I think the enemy. I think the flesh. You ever been praying and your mind goes about 70 directions? Any of us have the attention of a gnat when we're praying? What is with that, right? We can focus on anything else until we start praying and then it's like, you know, mosquitoes buzzing around. Listen to this. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Wouldn't you like to know that your leaders are wrestling in prayer for you? We are 15 days into this thing. We are wrestling in prayer for you. We are operating in the mentality and the spirit of Epaphras. He says that you, and here's what he's wrestling for. That you may stand firm in the will of God. There's number one. That you may be mature. Trust me, I'm praying that one too. And fully assured. You know what that word means? Simple. It means confident. There you go. That you will be confident in who you are and whose you are in your identity in Jesus Christ. Well, this is the last sermon in this series, but it will not be the last time you hear about identity. I can promise you that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you and honor you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that no matter what comes our way, we can always go back to truth. The truth that sets us free. We can always go back to your word that realigns our thinking. It realigns our heart. It realigns our spirit with you and with your kingdom. Father, we agree with Jesus' prayers. He taught the disciples how to pray. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right here, right now. If there's anybody here this morning and you've not given your heart to Jesus, you've never actually taken the step over the line to go all in with Jesus, our prayer partners are going to be up here at the end, right here at the front, our prayer team. And if you want to do that and make this your day to take that step, say, I want to go all in with Jesus. I'm ready. I want to learn about this. I want to go forward. I want to know him. And we would invite you after we close to just make your way up here. Feel free to talk to any of us. So, Father, we bless you and I bless this family. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless. Have an amazing week.